Chip. Hello and welcome to Motor Cult episode 43. I'm Eric Berger and that is becoming more and more of a pattern now. That's why yeah, you, you need a beep. Purpose. You need to have a beep. Should I just use the start? pre-war bell to like signal you for when the recording has started? Yes. Well, no, how about this one because we never use this whole thing. The, the post-war chime? Yeah, that'd be a good open beginning. But just why don't you just wait until after I say the the thingy? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know when to stop talking. I know. I know you don't. Anyway, this is episode forty-three. I'm Eric Berger. That's Ryan Zanetsky, and then we also, of course, have Jana. Hello. Yes, we do. Um, so yeah, we are. We're kind of back in the regular grind now. Um, there is a beer section, but I am too warm and too full of beer to have beer. I'm so. drinking a Pepsi. And uh, Ryan is yeah, he's doing a delicious soft drink. So uh, I guess we'll just go right past that segment today yes okay perfect sounds good hey let's uh, let's start up where we left off with the last episode with okay. our new topic that we're gonna put in okay what car would you because you mentioned <laughs> because this will be uh <laughs> next day uh, compared to um, <laughs> yes <laughs> uh no this today is wednesday now um but <laughs> allegedly <laughs> allegedly yeah it's, it's wednesday unless some unless something happens with burger trying to upload these like on time um, I'm usually pretty good at it. It should time. be. It's likely Wednesday today. I think. Look at the bottom right of your computer. Hover your mouse over where it says. Or upper right if you have a Mac. Yeah, I don't really. If you have a Mac, I don't think you should care about what day it is, because uh, obviously you are a starving artist. And that's the only reason you have it. Um, I don't like. And it will say nervous. what the day is. Fun fact. I think wow. it will also be our bombshell at the end of the episode. Holy shit, man! Anyway, what we were talking about. This was, is too early on know, for right? the digression. <laughs> um. What car would you uh, buy oh, in California oops. to drive I, I back? I misspelled that. Sorry. Yeah, that, that was really awkward. What read. car would you butt in California? <laughs> it was, I, I was reading that word for word <laughs> until I saw that. I, was, I had to pause. Anyway. Um, no, what car would you buy in California to bum around for in a week and then drive back and sell f- to make Specifically money? Car Week, though. Yeah. Let's use like, that as an example. Yeah, Car Week. So you have to think of like, is how reliable is this car? This should also become a uh, a guest question too. Um, True. Yeah. It, um, what would you buy? You know, to bum around in. You have and to should s- we set like a price limit, or are we just like? No, eh. I mean, well, I mean, it's got to be something that's going to probably be. It's it's got to be realistic, so you can't say, "Oh, I'm gonna buy myself a, a Porsche 356 and drive it back." No, but like, but it, it has to be something that's kind of reliable. If you're literally thinking about like circumventing shipping a car, yeah, buying airfare, yep. And we'll say a rental car expense for nine days. Yeah. So like maybe we should set that at like a fairly high limit of what that could cost, which is maybe like fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. I'd say two grand. I'd say okay. two grand. Two grand. That that, that kind of evens it out. I think that could and get think, you something that and would plus, last. You know, the thing is that with two grand, you know, that's if you're getting something nicer than a Mirage. Yeah. Two grand's gonna be what you're gonna be spending. You know, for that long of a period of time. Well, I was, I was talking about like shipping car. Well, no, I was thinking about like how much the rental cost will be. Oh, like, if you wanted something, if you wanted something a little bit nicer, like if you wanted like a mid-sized car, like you're gonna be spending over a thousand dollars. But yeah, and Ma- shipping maybe, a car, two grand's a reasonable amount of money. Okay, fine. Two grand. And I will start by saying I'm in the realm of somebody that wants to try to buy a car that will make money on when I sell it up here. Yeah. Um. So I actually have looked at this before and then i'm gonna say either a 
late seventies, early eighties Mercedes Sorry, product me. like a two forty D, which you can find for two grand in California yeah, for sure. and sell up here for about like five. Mm-hmm. Um or not really five, but like yeah, three and a half, four. Right. You'll you'll profit on it. Um or a early model Integra, D, the flip up headlight DA Integras. I mean the cars that just go away here from rust. Yeah. Something like that. Again, <laughs> My I, answer is very similar to yours. Yeah. Um <laughs> But you don't want to get something that's, like, too weird. Like, I'd be inclined to say a Peugeot 505. Well, you're never going to sell that because nobody's going to be, like, looking up one They of might, those. but it's not a quick turn and burn. And also no. driving a cheap 505 2,400 no. miles. That's the thing. You need something that's going to be reliable. So that's exactly. that thing, like, a... Uh, yeah, a diesel Mercedes will make it. A diesel Mercedes or an old-school Integra. Mm-hmm. Um, even a, off, a uh, off-trim-level Mercedes SL, gasoline one. You know, like a 380 or something. Like you might be able to get a 380 for two grand. But, yeah. Well, that's uh, I think like, like that's a set like one of the off-brand ones. Or you know what? Maybe how reliable are the uh, two thir- uh, SLK 230 compressors? Actually, pretty reliable. So I would say yeah, I would. You I would definitely pick one of those up for two grand. Yeah, I mean, you could get that's most cars where I would prefer a manual, but even an automatic one because that's still yeah, you would be very, an auto for that price point. Yeah, that one's still very deep in the hairdresser car range for sure. What I, I think what I would probably look at is. You know, similar to what you're getting at is something that rusts away up here, but a car that people care about. So I was thinking a third-gen Toyota 4Runner. Ooh, actually a first-gen even. Well, I but, guess. But those are... You probably can't afford can't a first-gen. No. A third-gen, those are gold up here. Yeah. Rust-free. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a 2.7 or a 3.4, just get a manual one and bring it up here. That will definitely make it back, um, but kind of boring. So my second choice was a E34 four bmw 5 series that would be because those turn to rust up here yes, they did. and people like them so um you both know really easy to get there is them. one car that i did want to mention that was the first thing that came to mind was like a cressida mx83 like yeah. i have sure but the thing is those cars consistently everywhere in the world are like a two to three grand car yeah it's one of those cars that just nobody cares about <laughs> for whatever well, reason reasonable shape yeah but the thing is like you can get one in minnesota for the same price as you can in california and the right. thing is is Nobody's gonna spend more money to get one that's rust free, because right. they know they, they everybody in the world knows you can go to California or the Pacific Northwest and pick one up for nothing right. in good condition. <laughs> um, and then that also kind of goes for the LS four hundred, which should be another car that I'd recommend. That's pretty but, good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like you said, I think those you're are not more, gonna turn a profit. Those are gonna be more keeper cars. Uh, as SC three hundred, you might be able to. Oh, I, that'd be tough. In it's that gonna kind be, of budget. You're gonna get yeah. one with a shitload of miles on it. Probably yeah, sh- well, shitty that, paint. Well, that's the thing is you're gonna be getting it, people buy them for the two jazzy. So if you could, if you manage to find yourself a manual SC three hundred, that would be a great one. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again, yeah, good luck finding one. So yeah, that, a manual that's I, I, that's I think a mistake find. with a diesel Mercedes or that's my, a good the, answer. Uh, yeah, a one twenty three or one twenty four. Yeah, very good cars. Yep. So I, I I like my answers. I like your answers. I think those are both. Jenna, fair. do you have uh, do you have a suggestion for what you would get? What would you buy in California to drive back and try and turn profit on? It the, reliably is, drive around, yeah. drive home, and also turn a profit. Yeah. Uh, white OJ Simpson Bronco. I'm not gonna find one of those for two grand. Actually, you might be able to. Really. Maybe not the O.J. Simpson generation, but the '80s ones. You definitely oh, could. Yeah, but you're gonna make money still, on the '80s Bronco. Maybe. Yeah, you totally can. Okay. If you look on Haggerty and see yeah. what like the Even cars after fuel expense for the week and the drive. Yeah, home. no, seriously. <laughs> like, if you look at like how fast they're appreciating, you okay. can still find people that like just don't know how much they're worth. I don't know. I would very I would, regularly. I'd buy a car. I'd get 
attached to it on the ride home and not be able to sell it. So. That's why, yeah, you want to buy something that you don't really care about. For like me, like the third gen 4Runner is great, but now I have the Vita, so I don't care. Yeah. E34s Ooh. are great, but I have E30s, which are better. So. Uh, a, um, a Tercel SR5, the four-wheel drive That'd Tercel wagon. That'd be super cool. Yep. Another super cool car. Yep. And you'd be able Make to... Make a good MPG, too. Yeah, and that's, that's one of those cars where I feel like... Oh, I even, got it. What? <laughs> this is perfect. Third gen Camry manual station wagon. Yes. Yes. Those are worth a ton up here. Yeah. Especially the one with the dual rear wipers. The, oh yeah. The round uh, I'm I'm yeah. I'm acutely aware of the car you're thinking of. Okay. Cool. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Because I if you, if you could pick one of those up in any kind of paint condition out there with a stick, even an auto. Yeah. If it's a V6 auto, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Or a uh, Camry coupe. Yep. Which are also very cool. But I mean, I say those just because those are probably cheap, and you don't have to worry about those not making it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I, I think Jana's idea of just knowing she's gonna get attached something weird and stupid. Yeah. That you normally couldn't justify buying Pontiac Aztec, but you really want. Yuck. No, I was thinking um, <laughs> a, the final generation Tercel that we got here. Okay. One of those with a manual transmission. Especially I if it's real- got the 4 FTE. Yeah, if you get one of those, the, 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 the two-door Tercel, uh, those ones I think are really cool looking. So, yes, yeah, so yeah. I would probably say either something that you're in turn for profit, like an old Mercedes or uh, the the 5 Series that you mentioned, mm-hmm. or something that is cheap, stupid, that you love, but you can't justify, and now your justification is, I paid the same amount of money as I would for a rental car. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I mean, a lot of those quirky things aren't going to necessarily be reliable enough at that price point to drive 2,500 miles. Well, that's the thing. Let's say I said something like a Tercel. You're right. Because that's a car where the best one in the world is going to be two grand. The guy that, right. the guy that's won oh, God, um, yeah. JCCS, like, he won JCCS, like, for, like, two or three years. Has What is fr- JCCS? Japanese Classic Car Show. Okay. It's the largest classic Japanese car show in the world. Um, Just for clarification yeah. for the listeners. Uh, he had a first gen Tercel that was like prosthetic limb tan that he bought from a little old lady for like two grand, but it had five thousand original miles on it and still had the PDI plastic on the doors because she never took it off. Oh my god! Because she didn't like having to dust it. Um, and yeah, he's won like for like multiple years in a row because it is so perfect. It's <laughs> better than the one that Toyota has. <laughs> <laughs> and he drives it. That's great. Yeah, he drives he drives it to shows and stuff. It's great. <laughs> I think he's got like something like. 7,000 miles on. Like, he doesn't drive much, but like. All right, but it's enough. He, yeah, he, he makes sure it gets used. He took it on uh, the uh, Japanese nostalgia cars, Toge, California, uh, a one year. I so, remember, yeah, you, you and Ben were talking about that on the. Yeah, and he, he had his he had his Tercel, so it was like all these like really cool cars, like Z31s and Supras and MR2s and like Mitsubishi uh, Galant Sapporos. Oh, man. And like just like all these like cool Japanese cars. And then Tercel. <laughs> What's that guy? He's lost? Yeah, it's just like perfectly stock Grandma Spectre cell. Literally like Grandma Spectre. Regular Spectre. car when he saw that Plymouth Horizon base model that was like in perfect who condition. Preserves like, this? Who saved this? Yeah, it's exactly this that. And that is why he's the one. supposed to survive. <laughs> exactly. Just like that. the. Yeah. Anyway, I guess. <laughs> this wasn't meant to happen. In, in the interest of moving this along, I want to I wanna jump over to a, uh, a Patreon topic, which typically we don't do in the beginning of an episode, but we have been really messed up the last couple of episodes just with all this shit going think, down. So I think, yeah, late late summer always sucks. Like, well it does. Yeah. Done. But the fact that we're able to do it this well is amazing. So anyway, yeah. I, I picked kind of a, a shorter one that's maybe a little bit easier to do. I picked uh crankshafts. Yes. And that's um 
it doesn't sound like it's going to be a short topic, but it's got a couple of, of subsections, and I'll go over those right now. Uh, first one is what is a cross plane versus a flat plane. Yep. Um, second one is uh, crankshaft building materials. Like why? Um, how they uh, affect the choice of VHL and or W engine layouts, um, and along Boxer with that, how what the difference between a boxer and a V flat is. Yeah, that and then um, I can't explain that in boxer. conjunction. <laughs> in conjunction with the uh, the crankshaft and the uh, cross versus flat plane, the runner length of the entire uh, exhaust manifold as well. So, we'll start with actually. Let's start with boxer versus V flat. You can yeah, you can talk can about that. the so Subaru. The uh, Subaru boxer. The the term boxer means at at every or when one piston is at top dead center, its opposite piston is at bottom dead center. Mm-hmm. Um, Subarus do that. Porsches do that. Mm-hmm. However, the Ferrari Testarossa, which has a V12 that's flat, 180 degree V12, yep. is not technically a boxer because when it's when one piston is on top dead center, its opposite one is not at bottom dead center because it's balancing something else in the engine. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a really interesting thing to do mm-hmm. with an engine because you can't do that with our, you can't do that with the 12 and that that is essentially the cross versus flat plane too yeah and that so explain that to me a little bit better because i know right what i know about cross versus flat planes is i know flat planes are better for high-end power cross planes are better for low and torque mm-hmm. flat planes sound cooler cross planes make you sound like you have a broken like k1500 right yeah that's all that is down to the the exhaust pulses basically yes, yes. And, I, uh, I know, yeah that's so the flat plane what it means is instead of firing 90 degrees apart, they fire 180 degrees apart. Yes. So what you're hearing is the same number of combustions, but spread out over more pulses. And why they make better top-end power is just because the power is distributed. It's a smaller amount of, obviously, you know, piston velocity going into the crankshaft per fire, so they don't make as good a low-end torque, but they are better at, you know, spinning up and making high-end power and as, you know, throttle response as well. So um, uh, uh, the best example I can think of this one that's maybe relevant to our listeners is the difference between the um, the uh, the Ferrari manufactured engines and like the F430 versus the Maserati ones that are yes. That, I was actually gonna bring that one up. And like or you the, all know the the sound difference between a Maserati V8 and an F430. They sound nothing alike, the, even though the engines um, are identical. The Ford Mustang uh, Shelby GT350 versus yes. the GT350. R. Well, they both have the same engine. Uh, the, no, the R. The R is a flat plane. The G. The normal GT three fifties are both flat. Okay. Plane. Okay. So those the are, GT those are is the, the GT yeah, is yep, yeah. That's so what that you're is it. Yep, yes. That's a good one too. Because um, yeah, the GT sounds like America. And th- that also <laughs> that that that's what a difference is between an even firing and an odd firing engine. Yep. Um, fun fact: you can have a odd firing flat plane. Good God. Which is really weird. It's one of those weird things I learned on... That sounds Viz- like something Harley Davidson would patent. No, I, I found that... I learned that on Vizio Racer. Um, oh, okay. But no, it's actually... It's kind of common. Not really common, but it's a thing that's been done in motorcycle manufacturers. Hmm. Uh, where uh, sometimes they'll do an odd-firing flat plane so you'll get the high-end power. Mm-hmm. But it'll balance itself like for the rider. So when you're taking hard cornering, you don't have this big lump of power that comes on. It'll sure. actually help balance itself out mm-hmm. and basically sense. balance the bike in a corner. Um, that's not as common with cars. Um, I'm trying to think. The only one I can think of. Odd fire engines are not common. No, but there's an odd fire flat plane that I think NSU made it. Like in some like is, 
I think so, I, I want to say it was the TT then. or something. It was okay. just it was some. It was like it's really obscure when they do that. Hmm. Um, oh, there's another engine I want to talk about that is a um, uh, even a flat plane, uh, non boxer, uh, 180 degree V engine. Okay. There's a BRM V16 supercharged. Oh god, that thing sounds amazing. If you've never heard that, you should Google that. It is <laughs> a uh, 1.5 liter V16 that was made for Formula One mm-hmm. back in the 50s. Yep. And it was supercharged and has like a just an insane like a five digit red line in oh, the yeah. 1950s. And it's carbureted. It is amazing sounding. I made 600 horsepower. <laughs> I made 600 horsepower of 1.5 liters. Yeah, uh, that's it did not in the 50s. Yeah, it did not work reliably. Uh, <laughs> it yeah, there won are, nothing. <laughs> there are some of those um, at Goodwood, and those boy, those make a good noise. Yes. So the uh, last thing is just the crankshaft material. And well, actually, no, we still have to talk about uh, choice of layouts, but yeah. Oh, yeah. fine. The one, well, that'll one be of the, the last one. Sorry. Yeah. The next thing is the uh, the choice of material, and that is all down to cost. Yes. Um, um, most of them are cast steel, graphite steel. Um, they're, they're, that's perfectly good for almost everything out there these days. Um, a lot more uh, connecting rod and bearing loads. Forged. forged steel crank is getting oh, a lot more common. There's aluminum, which I've seen in some. Yeah, you can do that magnesium in a lot of BMWs, yep. which is a very, very light material by comparison. So you that get is a much quicker. Pl- literally playing with fire. Yeah. Magnesium. Mr. White um, has a magnesium crank. Hmm. So does Corey's car. Um, <laughs> no, the. Uh, I, I forgot. I forgot who did aluminum, but there were a few brands that have done aluminum because they didn't. That's crazy. It's, it's for smaller engines where they don't make a lot of torque, mm-hmm. but they can have like a really beefy rod bearing, and it's made for having very quick throttle response. Right. And that, that's that. what it's for. So. That would cut a lot of rotating mass. So. A ton of rotating <laughs> mass. And if, if for something that, like, you know, these a lot of these cars that were using uh, GT racing and stuff that were mm-hmm. under two and a half liters, so like yeah. four cylinders and three cylinders, even two cylinders, those kind of cars, performance versions, can use an aluminum crankshaft where that will actually make a lot of sense. Oh, for sure. Um, there's actually a couple of things here. Uh, runner length mm-hmm. of, I imagine that's intake manifold runner length. Uh, typically exhaust, but yeah, I mean, everything matters. I mean, yeah. this is basically just for noise, not necessarily power delivery. Yeah, so, I mean, well... With runner length, if you're wondering why a lot of people think the VR6 sounds really cool, it's because half of the cylinders have a shorter intake runner than the other half. They all have the same distance exhaust runner, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I no, mean, the, yeah, it's the so same. I think they have log manifolds from the factory. Yeah, so actually, disregard that. No, they also have uneven length exhaust manifold. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the best for power. It makes a really cool noise, but it's, it's one of the things... Efficient. It is very space, space efficient. That's actually why Subaru uses a uneven length uh, exhaust manifold as well. Mm-hmm. It is to save space. Yeah, it's usually packaging. And actually, the way that they've designed theirs, um, if you listen to like my EA82, mm-hmm. my GL10, that one was entirely a space saver. Um, not anything performance related about that. I'm shocked. Um, but actually, the EJs, they did do quite a bit of engineering to try and make it more try to get the right bank of cylinders to have their exhaust path come in in between the two left bank cylinders okay, so sure. you'll actually get you'll get two left bank um or yeah sorry two right bank rotations for every left bank rotation of exhaust gas basically that comes through because of the distance oh weird uh whereas on the gl10 the 
right bank will literally come in on top of the left bank and it'll backfeed everything into the intake on the left side. That doesn't sound efficient. It's horrible. <laughs> it's really <laughs> awful. That's how Subaru's managed, managed to make a 1.8 liter single overhead cam fuel injected turbocharged engine make only 111 horsepower and blow head gaskets all the time. The original one was even less than that. That motor we were watching. It that was one like, was different though. Was so still a 1.8. No, it's a one point that yeah, it was one point eight, but that 1. was a pushrod one point eight. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, that was a overhead valve one point eight. Uh they also used a different turbocharger and lower boost level. Ah. Uh and that was way more reliable. So I made it forty K on uh head gasket. That's pretty good. Intervals, like that's considered factory expected timing. Um that one oops. I knocked over my trash. <laughs> um, I see that. I but the uh, the EA eighty ones you were able to actually get closer to about ninety to hundred thousand, which was on par with a Volkswagen in that era. Hmm. So yeah, they weren't they weren't that bad. Um, now engine cylinder layouts because these aren't even all of them. The VHLW layouts. Yeah, um, that's entirely for space saving, and not entirely for space saving. Yeah, I, I mean that doesn't really have anything to do with. Um the cross versus flat. I mean, that that's consistent across all the layouts and how they, they differ. Um, but, I mean, I feel like... That can change. It's it. all done to suit the, the chassis it's going into. Yeah, that that is more based off that. There's a right. reason... The reason that Nissan uses a V-shaped engine instead of an inline is it saves space up front. Mm -hmm. It's easier crash... It's easier for crash test ratings. You can also run a lower hood line, and it's better for uh, pedestrian safety bullshit. Mm -hmm. um inline engines they are a lot taller so it's harder to you know get something that's got a low hood line right it's harder but they to have pass inherent uh, internal balancing naturally yes. which is nice so you can typically make them lighter yep and, and you can make them uh the, the v-shaped v engines you actually do have a loss of torque because that rotational mass mm -hmm. instead of going straight back from the crankshaft yep. actually goes to trying to twist the engine. Yeah, it's stressing the block. Yeah, and that that does not happen with the inline. Uh, that's actually why back in uh, the 1920s and 30s and 40s uh, you would have inline eight oh, engines. Oh yeah, which we all like. Yes, because those actually make more sense than a V8. The V8 is entirely a space saver design. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, definitely. It's just like the 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 W. And then the W is a really weird that that is. Two V, there are two VRs, right? Yep. Usually, because Volkswagen mm -hmm. is the one that makes most W engines. I can't think of a non Volkswagen W. Yeah, I can't either. I think I watched a Vizio Racer thing on there. I like think there's a, a motorcycle, yeah, in like Italy that also uses one, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a trade. So basically, and then I also, I guess you should explain what VR versus a V is because a VR is a V6 that shares a common cylinder head. Yep, it's, it's a 15 degree V6. Yeah, it's a, well, it, it can be different than 15, but yeah, in Volkswagen, a VR, as Volkswagen knows it. Yeah, in Lancia, Volkswagen, it's a 15. Yeah, in Lancia, used a, um, I said their V4 was technically a VR4 because their, their four cylinder V shaped engine uh, shared a common cylinder head. Huh. And the, like the Lancia Fulvia, and most of their cars made after. No, not not on the Fulvia. That was yes. a ninety degree. No, that was a that was not a ninety degree V six. That was, was that was a super narrow V six. V four. Uh, yeah, or sorry, V four. Um, but yeah, then H series H engines, boxers, flat engines. Um, you know those range from two to sixteen cylinders. Oh, I've seen. sure. Hey, look at that. Yeah, it's not, it's kind of cool. Interesting. Um, yeah. That that that's another engine design that you use entirely for being a space saver. Yep. Um, oh, God, that's got to be a tiny engine. 
Yeah, that's it, just half a W8. <laughs> it really is. Uh, w engines, I think, as ridiculous as they are, I think they're probably my least favorite. Yeah, they don't make good noises, and they're really unreliable. It's really hard to make them reliable. I'm I'm okay with the noises because they kind of sound like really angry Subarus. And the connecting rods have to be like paper thin, which means yeah. tiny bearings, and it's just not good. It's really really hard to make one of those reliable. Oh, look at this cutout of a Fulvia. Um. One of the, one engine design that I've not seen ever in a car that like, utilized like in a production car, mm-hmm. a radial engine. Uh, that's because they require immense air cooling that a yes. car can't produce. Uh, if you're wondering what a radial engine is, if you like old World War II planes where they have like that big circle sort engine of on the front circle thing behind the fan, that's actually the engine. And then you end up getting these really cool like 36 cylinder radials where you'll have like. Stacked layers. Of yeah, you have heads. like 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 three stacked layers of twelve cylinder radials. Um, oh no, there actually was a car that had a radial. Um, it was a flat mounted radial, made prior to World War II. Uh, is rear engined and oh, air cooled. Oh, it would have to have a big prop on it. Yeah, or a big fan. It was. Uh, I don't even think it had a fan. It, no, it did. It, it, it would it, need no, it, to. That, it had a flywheel, which was ex- external to the transmission that acted as a fan. I, I guess super, if you engineered it and you put enough weird. fins on it, you could do it. But like those things just cook. Yeah, it was super weird. They were they not so well. I, I saw like one. Ever, I saw one on chasing classic cars once. I'm like, that's really. Weird I've only and ever cool. seen swaps with airplane engines, and yeah, they they say that they can run for about a minute and a half before they get way too hot. They gotta shut them down. Yeah. Um, now another thing that uh, we should also mention is mm-hmm. what square versus under square is, and that is that doesn't have anything to do with the crank, though. No, but I mean, while we're talking about I bottom end fine. stuff, let's just talk about that real quick. Yeah, so that's uh, when the 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 vertical well vertical distance away from the crankshaft on the piston the, s- the stroke the stroke is shorter than the distance across the crown of the piston. Which is the bore. Right. So the reason you want a over square, square is when, say, on a Honda um, Civic uh, B, or B18 is a square. It's 86 by 86 mm-hmm. millimeter. Which um, means that the stroke is equal to the bore. Exactly. And what you get with that is it, that has a tendency to balance itself, the piston, while it's moving up and down. Uh, when you have too long of a stroke... The long stroke is usually pretty decent for torque, but it's you get um, what will happen is the side of the piston will try to hit the cylinder wall. It will yep. wear on the wall. That's why... A lot higher piston velocity. Yeah. That's why a lot of pre-war cars, you these cars that are 17, 20, 25, 30 liters, and their pistons are only like four or five inches across, which is huge, but if you <laughs> think right. of... But the skirts are like... Yeah, it, but if you think of like how how large the displacement is like that's not much piston for that displacement right um what they do is you have a ton of stroke because they were designed to move across move a eight thousand pound car yeah they're designed for lazy slow torque yeah and that that's what that's what they're designed for uh then you have these really long piston skirts everything gets really heavy that's a problem mm-hmm. uh over square engines a um a four age comes to mind uh, B16s are over square. There's a bunch they're, of square engines. They have less wear on the cylinders. They make a little bit less torque, but they make way more top-end power. Uh, if you have an engine, if you want to build an engine that goes over 10,000 RPM, you almost have to have something that's over square. I can't think of a single 10,000 RPM engine that is under square. Yeah, I can't either. I think the highest revving under square engine I know of is the AP2 S2000. Is that... Oh, I guess is that under square? Oddly, it is. 
Okay, because the... That's really strange. It yeah, like the F-22, be. I guess. Yeah, because yeah, they stroked it out a little bit. Yeah. That's weird. It, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's still resonant. That's also why, uh, last episode we were talking about the DA GSR B-17. Mm-hmm. That engine is not favored by a lot of people in the Honda community because that is actually under square. Hmm. Uh, that was a stroked out B-16. And what happens with that is you can rev them out like a B-16, but then they crack their cylinder walls. When you Fun. make big power. Well, yeah. I wonder why. I know, right? He's put Freaking a B16 crank in it, you're fine. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, a B20, though, that one is larger bore. But then when you get too large of a bore, you run into an issue where your cylinder walls are too thin and you can crack cylinder walls there, again, leading to the same issue. Right, yeah. That that has to do with the cylinder spacing. But I mean, again, that's that's a little bit of a digression over from crankshafts. Yeah, so, so I, I just want I wanted to mention that while we're on that topic. Yep. Um, Bert, you... I had a story that we did not get to last time. Okay. Because uh, Scott, uh, his element had a close encounter of the third kind with a semi-truck. Uh, I would say quite an intimate account. Yes. Encounter with the 2003 Peterbilt. Yeah, this thing, it got smoked by a Peterbilt sitting at a red light. Rear-ended, uh, 12 grand he, in damage. Actually, that... His element held up pretty well. Yeah, it did. It still ran and drove just fine. Yeah. Um, everything behind the rear wheel on the left side is just, just not there I think anymore. Scott, I think Scott should keep the truck and turn it to a pickup. Uh, well, I'm buying it back. Okay. So I'm going to have an all-wheel drive manual K24 drivetrain in a smashed element, and I have to kind of decide what to do with it. And uh, I've got a couple ideas already. Such as? Um, First-gen Insight. That would be cool. With a turbo. They actually, the case been, site, it's been done before, yep, yeah. That case site it's did it. Co- semi, semi-common parts. with... Um, the all-wheel drive one's not the common. The all-wheel drive's not common, but K-series swaps in the inside semi-common in California, actually, in the street racing community, because... And that's still pretty good, even with front-wheel yeah. drive. Well, they, they do it in California, because if you get caught street racing, they crush your car. <laughs> like, immediately, no questions. Um, if you have something like an insight, you're more likely to get away, because you say... I, I, I'm I'm just lost. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going home from Trader Joe's. <laughs> yeah, especially because like the K side's got like these 15 inch end keys, but they're like painted black. So it's like and a they, normal they wheels. look like the Insight factory wheels, yeah. but it's got you know obviously sticky rubber on it. But yeah, K side does make all of the like the subframes. And oh, cool. Mounts right. to do all that, but like it's kind of expensive. So what other options are we one? thinking? Um. Other than that, uh, there is a company out there that makes um, BMW ZF transmission adapters for the K-Series for Miata applications. Ooh. So I thought about buying one of those adapter kits to put it on a Getrag, which I have shitloads of, and put it in the 2002. That'd be cool. A K24 2002 would freaking honk. Um, and then another option yet is put a freaking hairdryer on it and put it in Brexit. I got an idea. Okay. Uh, Acura Legend. I don't want a Legend. Yeah, they look good, the original ones. I don't want a legend. All right, as I say, I, I, if it was my car, I would do, actually, with the Getrag, uh, that the Getrag transmission, mm-hmm. K-series, rear end from Mike, probably a STI since it's also a Datsun rear end. And I think it's, I, I could probably just use a Miata rear end. Um, Those are super weak. I'd use BMW probably. Well, I'm, ma- I'm making 200 horsepower. Uh, Miata rear ends have trouble. Okay, well... Uh, yeah, I'd probably just do, yeah, get rear end out something. something. Yeah, <laughs> some custom axles, and then do a rear-wheel drive uh, legend, because that's the way that car is supposed to be, right. rear-wheel drive. I mean, yeah, rear-wheel drive K-series legend, and a legend. Really cool. I don't know. I think it'd be really tight. I, I, I look at legends differently, because I know in Japan that they had turbocharged legends, mm-hmm. which I thought were really fucking cool. 
but they were front wheel drive and heavy. Right. So it's like nobody cared. Right. Well, that's true. And yeah, it's very obvious the architecture of that car was designed to be rear wheel drive originally. But yes, it was. A, I don't know. I think it was the last minute. Uh, I've got to get change. the toaster back first and then sort of figure out what to do. I mean, an alternative is to just like cut the back half of it off and like go to a junkyard and cut the back half of another element. Or make a pickup. And turn it into an element again. You know, they, they had a... Uh, and then turbo that. You know, the Scion XB in Japan, that had a Toyota BB uh, mm-hmm. open back, which yeah. was a pickup but Scion XB. Can't you can make a one. bed that short, though. It's only like... You can make a bed. It's, it's like, got a it's rubber like floor, feet. dude. I know. It's got a flat rubber floor. Well, it is it's not flat anymore. Well, now it's kind of crumpled. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty smoked. I mean, the it's thing... A, it's a rubber floor that kind of looks like a topographical map of the of the Swiss Alps. Oh, just like the fajita. Yeah. <laughs> I think also has rubber floors, which is kind of fun. But anyway, yeah, that's. I'll keep you guys posted on what I decide to eventually do with that. I'm gonna pester you with weird Japanese cars. That's fine, but oh, I mean, man, old school just, Corolla. That'd be tight. Again, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I'm open to buying a chassis to do something. Because I think the 2002 is just the M10 would be kind of cool. Well, uh, the fact that it's original engine kind of makes me not want to take it out, but That's I can I'm always thinking. put it on a stand. But I think mm. a K-Series in that car would be really rad. Oh, yeah, I mean, it would be. You're not wrong. It's like, it's like when CPL put F-Series into Datsuns. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's really great. And, like, that's way more power than I'd get from a low-pressure turbo on the M10, so. Well, how about this, uh, listeners? If you want to help Burr decide, yes, please decide what he should have, uh, join for the $1 a month Patreon option, and you can send it to us as a suggestion, and we will put that. And if Burr does go through with your, desi- with your idea, I will send you a Motor Cult t-shirt, which I will make. I will see to it that he uh, makes it manually with dyes and no. I, I will actually get it like screen printed and yeah. properly done, not just spray paint on a t-shirt. Fine. Um, yeah, so that, I think that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, we'll see where that goes. I, I'm <clears> definitely <throat> saving the drivetrain, but like whether or not I keep the all-wheel drive portions, I don't really know. We'll see. I mean, all-wheel drive would be cool in like some things. It would. Thing, there's like a hierarchy. Like rear-wheel drive, you never convert to all-wheel drive because it ruins right. it. Um, Front-wheel drive is fine, but mm-hmm. you can convert to all-wheel drive and make it better and in some, honestly, ki- some situations. The all-wheel drive setup with that trans is worth a pretty good chunk of change to people. Is that it, Yeah, manual all-wheel drive setup? Like everything, both subframes, the You diffs. could make the world's coolest Integra sedan with that. How much are Integra sedans? Nothing. Two grand. Rust-free. But like a, a B18 I, I would I would draw the belt. line at like a thousand bucks for thousand dollars. You can I think we can find you Integra sedan for a thousand dollars. It would be kind of fun. They've got three do. generations of it. You have a flip up headlight. You can have a, the boxy one, or you have the one with the round headlights. You can also do a JDM front end where you get the long rectangular head, headlights on what was later also ideally it would need to have the same track width as an element. Well, they don't. But 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 Hasport makes. Uh, axles if i'm doing that i'm purpose. gonna do the insight because you can pick up one of those with a bad ima for a thousand bucks yeah but with an integra sedan you like sedans more i do that's why i was saying an integra sedan i also don't want an integra sedan like a first-gen insight i actually can't want that's fair that's very fair and it's all aluminum so they weigh nothing have you ever seen the first generation integra sedan yeah yeah the those are really ugly, yeah i think they look great well okay you, I like, feel like, you I like the 80s i do like the 80s it's like the era which like sedans i'm kind of okay with <laughs> I don't know. I I gotta do more thinking on this. It, yeah, it would be super fun to put it under something like, stupid. Yeah, we we found this out like basically. Either yesterday. way, I'll have a, all that stuff on a pallet somewhere for a while. Worst case, but 
while we're trying to find the perfect swap candidate. Pretty much. Yeah. And like, it's either going to be the drivetrain, the all wheel drive drivetrain with the engine transmission, everything, or I'll sell all that crap and I'll get an adapter plate to use the K24 in something rear wheel drive. Yeah. It's, That's pretty much it. The end game is this is a great engine. It needs to the, go in a great home. The toaster's K24 will live on in some hood rat application. What? You're giving me a weird look. We could actualize the Mondial challenge. I don't... That car is not for sale anymore. What about a... I'm sure we can find like a Ferrari 400i for nothing. I am... Okay. If you can find me some sort of transverse Ferrari roller for reasonable money, we, we can talk about it. Like, what's reasonable? Ten grand? No. Five? We'll say like Eight? seven or less. S seven? Okay. I'm actually going to do some digging to, uh, okay. tonight when I get home. Fine. Before. I, I would be receptive. I actually... If you find me that Ferrari chassis... Nick sent me a photo of this mythical large three-phase 400-horsepower electric motor bolted to a cobalt transaxle. He's like, if you have something that this can go in, say the word. <laughs> <laughs> so if we find another quote-unquote mondial, that's happening to that. We, I can find a AW11 MR2. Another good option. ZZW30 is what I'd pick. You're, you've had two of those already. Get really something like new. Them. I like them a lot. Yeah. Convertibles are great. I also really like CB Accords, but there's a reason I'm not buying another one because I've had four. Wow. I like E30s a lot. Yeah, you've had a hundred of them. Oh, you know, I suggested this to Nick. Take my IX and just make it a front-wheel drive electric car. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that, that is your answer. All right, moving on. Anyway. Super Street. Um, mm. Yeah, Super Street, the game. Uh, they have a release date, September 4th. Wow, it's in three days. Um, <laughs> Woo! There's a very high likelihood, now I'm looking into this game, that it could be rubbish. Rubbish. So it's basically, um, what they've done is they've taken, like, Burnout 3. Was it a game, like, back in the mid-2000s? Yeah. Like, they had, like, crash physics that were really awesome. Um, and they mixed that with Need for Speed Underground 1. And I'm saying one because it's not open world. It's a street racing game, which is dumb. <laughs> what the hell? There's four models of cars that are all non-licensed vehicles, and they're all plug ugly. They look fucking awful. This is all going really well so far. Yeah. It's got a really cool modification engine to it where you can like, modify the cars super well like okay. in depth. Sure. But it's like, what does it matter? Because like, the whole reason I play... Games like Forza or something is because I really like the Lamborghini Countach. I am never going to be able to put in a modern V12 with a giant turbocharger and make it all-wheel drive and make it like a 300-mile-per-hour horse, monster. I'm never going to be able to do that. It's just not realistic. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, Super Street, the game, might 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 suck. If it debuts at 20 bucks, I'm going to buy it. It's anything more than that, I'm not going to buy it. Not buying it until it hits like $3 on a Steam sale or something. I promise you it'll hit that probably <laughs> by November. Um, <laughs> so it looks, it just looks, it looks like October, it's going, probably. it looks like it's going very badly. Um, yeah, I pulled up your link on the, the feed and it's even that one. I mean, there's not much to the story even. No. Oh, wait, no, that's different. This is no, different this, is, this, this is, is my next thing I'm talking okay, about, sorry. which is I pulled up the link for Netflix the next thing. is doing mm. more correlated stuff and uh, we, they are doing fastest car. Nobody liked it the first time. So now it's time for round two. Um, I don't understand why they're doing that. They're also doing an animated Fast and Furious show, which might be okay. 
if they stick it to like the first two movies worth of Fast and Furious. Do you I, really want Roman Pierce no. and that stupid right. Eclipse convertible? No, but I'm thinking more like I'd rather see body kitted out Eclipses than see a bunch of stupid challengers. I guess. I think, here's a I like think animated in, would work better with Fast and Furious 3. Here's a W Motorsports Lycan supercar that they gave us for free, so we're putting in the movie. <laughs> and here is a Dodge Charger Hellcat because we couldn't get a Dodge Demon because this is what Dodge gave us. And here is a Mercedes like 6x6 G-Wagon because that's what Mercedes gave us. It's not, it's not like it used to be because Fast and Furious, what I liked about it was they had cool import cars. Like yeah. When I was a kid, I was watching Fast and Furious. I'm like, fuck yeah, it's Evo 7. That's awesome. Or, oh yeah, look at RJ DeVere's actual EK Civic. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Like that was that got you know that got me excited. Sure. Um, even like uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, like the acting in that was awful. But I mean, n- n- historically, no Fast and Furious movies had good acting. Yeah. Um, but like I'd still go there. I'm like, there's a Mitsuoka, a Mitsuoka Orishi. Oh and god, like, those things are so ugly. Or <laughs> you're like, hey, S15 Sylvia, cool. Those are pretty cool. It, even like the fourth one. Like that one, you still had like R34s and R35s and STIs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But by five, six, seven, eight, whatever we're at, twelve, I think is where we're at. I don't know, nine, I think. I don't know. <laughs> uh, these later ones, it's just stupid. Cause I, it's can just we, can we the... measure them like the Jesus people measure years? Yeah. Like do Fast and the Furious like BC? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I think five would be or B. I, I think Fast and Furious 4 is the one, because that's the one where it started, getting, it started getting profitable. So I think that's like... Was 4 the one where they hijacked the gas tankers in the beginning? Yeah. Okay. So I think that, what we call that, before B, BF4? Before Fast 4? Oh, never mind. I, I take this back. We shouldn't, <laughs> this is, we shouldn't do this. It's way too complicated. Yeah, no. It, pre, I was going to talk like pre and post uh, Paul Walker. Pre and but. post Fast and Furious 4 is where it is. Fine. Yeah, that, that's kind of where the difference was. <laughs> and then once Paul Walker died, like they should have just killed the series. Yep. Like right there. Uh, now it's just like gross. <laughs> anyway. Once uh, they contracted Wiz Khalifa yeah. all over. Oh, God, no. <laughs> um, so, Burger. Yes. I want to talk about... I briefly mentioned this. I think the the episode before you guys went off to uh, Monterey. And I don't even remember the the instigation for this. But I had, I had brought up the fact that in the 70s, Porsche had engineered a car that was designed to last for like 50 years. And I went and did some more research on this because I wanted to talk about it. And it turns out it's 30 years designed to work absolutely flawlessly. And um, on the video version, I pulled up... Jalopnik did a little write-up on this. Uh, I actually learned about this in a coffee table book I bought on Porsche about 10 years ago for a book report because I hate reading books. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So in 1972, they developed... It's like a little hatchback. Um, It had a... Um, a two and a half liter air cooled flat six making 75 horsepower. It looks like a really cool golf. Yeah, I, I've never seen one of these with the aluminum body panels on it. Um, it it's almost always shown with the um, chrome, uh, chrome steel uh, substructure, which is like a mesh. And it's yeah. designed to be yeah. really easily fixed and replaced if something happens. But yeah, they set out to over engineer every component of the car so it would work flawlessly for 30 years so you change the fluids that's it 
fluids. That's great. And yeah, I mean, like I said, it had a, a two and a half liter air cooled flat six, but they had like they made all like the, the 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 jugs for the cylinders are super thick, like really good cooling, huge oil reservoirs what to kind extend of, is intervals. Like a flat six or a straight flat six. Four? Yep. Oh, so they basically just took a 911 engine and just like... And they, they took a bunch of displacement out of it by adding a bunch of metal. Good. And then a lot more oil to keep it cool. I mean, yeah, apparently it is like the most insanely overbuilt flat six ever, but it also made 75 horsepower. Like one liter? Well, it's two and a half liters. Oh, is it? Okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, the chassis was a lattice work of chrome nickel. And they sold, they dropped it down panels. from like 3.6 to 2.5. I think at the time, this was done in 72, so I think they were maybe 3-liter cars then, but 2.7. I, I don't know. They were pretty close they, to It's still a, a lot that they've cut, a, yeah. a lot of metal put in there. Anyway. Exactly. And the, yeah, I'm sure they just did it for drivability. But um, the only trans option was a 3-speed torque converter pre-selection transmission which uh, i like that's a pre-selection so you don't have to worry about valve body braking <laughs> pretty much i'm just like really i've heard about like single clutch pre-select back in the day but the torque converter was interesting to me um but yeah they, they never actually produced this thing i mean obviously it was designed during the energy crisis when you know everything was you know service cost and oil changes and fuel economy it mattered yeah. a lot yeah um but a lot of the technology that they got from this this thing, I forget, they called it the FLA, um, came into the 911 because, like, three years later, they started galvanizing all the steel bodywork on all their Porsches. And, like, they learned a lot of that from, like, the longevity studies with this FLA. See, I think stuff like that's really cool. I think so, it, too. It, that, that, to me, is more important than... It's, like, real-world R&D. Yeah, that's actual R&D that, like, go into the real world. And I, I think it's actually really cool. I'd rather see that than see just one crossover after another. Pretty much. Cares. And, I mean, it... It, it's just really strange to see a, a little crappy Porsche hatchback, but it's kind of cool. So, I mean, again, I, that's not something I really needed to talk about, I guess, but since Porsche I brought it up. Porsche Project Langsit Auto. Yep. <laughs> I don't know name. what Project Langsit Auto means, but I'm guessing it means like super long lasting car project. Clearly. <laughs> Actually, it sounds about right. Um, <laughs> just from like what little I understand German. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> Speaking of Germany, okay, and things that they did not do, mm -hmm. they did not win the World Cup of cars. Oh, they were an early knockout. That's true, they were. So I oh, think no. I think now we I should. Oh shit, dude! I just remembered who the two finalists are. Yeah, and I'm worried. We'll we'll get to them in a in a moment. Okay, but I want to start out by doing a recap. Okay, of what we've seen <laughs> so far in the World Cup of cars. Sure. Um, we took all the countries. Mm -hmm. that were in the World Cup, which ended like a month ago. The sports ball World yeah. Cup. Uh, the real World Cup. Mm. And we selected the best cars from each of those countries. Okay. And we had them compete against each other. Um, now, with those cars, uh, some countries like Germany mm -hmm. produced multiple cars. So it was really that particular German car or well, that I mean, particular Japanese car competing against the other car. And we are hand-selecting the competition yes, vehicles. We are. And we are also very subjectively identifying the better Yes, car. we are. That's so. <laughs> I think that probably has something to do with why Czechoslovakia made it so far with uh, the, Serb the Yugo GVS. And Iran made it to like the quarterfinals yeah. with a like retired Nissan pickup, which oh. incidentally, we watched some videos on the Zamiad. Yeah, they're great Amazing. trucks. Yeah, it's like unkillable. <laughs> I think that's why it's one of those things. It's like, it, you know, like in the World Cup of 
soccer, you have to be only good at soccer. However, in the Olympics, you could be really good at just one thing. Mm-hmm. So, True. I mean, yeah. Jamaica might not have the best soccer team, but damn it, do they have a bobsled team? <laughs> the obscurity is just too much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the uh, I, I think uh, some cars that I would have liked to have seen. Actually, it wasn't Czechoslovakia; it was Yugoslavia. Uh, some cars that who would you like to have seen contend that didn't? You I mean a, a country that we knocked out? That, no, no, like, a, I wish a, I had a last country longer. that didn't even get in. Because there's um, a lot of like America, um, maybe like Finland. Finland would be cool. Finland would be pretty it, good. Italy wasn't in there. Oh at yeah, all. what it, the hell? Italy wasn't there. China. Czech- oh god, um, yeah. Czechoslovakia. They, I want to see a Guangxi Chumchi. I know, right? Yeah, I would like to see a Guangxi Chumchi. Um, I that love is saying a, that. North Korea. Was that was in there. It was. Yeah, but they weren't unified Korea though. Oh. Yeah. But we uh, did North Korea. No, we no, didn't. we didn't because okay, they weren't. Fine. U- they. They they were in Kang the World Sang Cup. 88. Yeah, the King Sang eighty eight would have been cool. Yeah, Unified Korea, I think next time we should do. Um well, we, but we could make up our own um bracket that has teams in it that don't compete in the sports ball. But World that, Cup. that doesn't much matter because then it's us coming up with it. I wanna I want the actual challenge okay, of, fine. of basing off of something completely arbitrary. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we did really well with it then. Yeah, we really did. <laughs> Knocked it out of the pack. Um, some early upsets that I found. Um, Australia was a first round knockout. Mm-hmm. That one I thought was shocking. I think that they uh, just they got had, cool stuff, but they they did. But I think they I think they went up against somebody like super cool, like France or something. Um, um, let me see if I can search that. Yeah, because they they got they, they were a first round knockout. Germany and Spain both France. Was, oh yeah, the, oh I said France. Run a yeah. five turbo. Yeah, they beat can. the Ford XB Falcon. Well, well, last of the V8s. Um, so yeah, that's I mean, like a lot of these cars, like they Episode were just twenty-seven. They, they were uh, first-round knockouts. Uh, Germany and Spain were both second round. That was on the French car episode that that happened. Oh, it too, was. So. Yeah. So, so yeah, Australia got they got the short end of the stick. Sorry, yeah, we kind of fucked them there. Yeah, I was not gonna let uh, France lose on the French car episode. Um, <laughs> No, Germany and Spain were also first round knockouts. Um, they both had really obscure competition mm-hmm. where they're the com- the car that they were competing against was better. I think that you were just really mad um, that I wouldn't let you do Mr. Wags for Germany. Yeah, probably twice in a row because there's more cars than just that one car from Germany. Yeah, but that's the best that. car Germany. That's ever not made. true. Yes, it is. Um, then Spain, I think uh, <laughs> they they went up against somebody cool. I is think it Brexit. No, see, why don't you look at who uh, Spain went up against? Uh, that was a second round knockout. Uh, because I know Spain has some really cool cars, um, like Hispania Sueza and Seat and stuff like that. Um, it was Iran versus Spain. Yeah, so, so the Zamyad versus uh, that the wrecking Hispania Sueza. Yeah, that wrecking ball of the Zamyad took out the Hispania Sueza. I was expecting them to be a first round knockout. Uh, to be honest, I'm glad we save all the podcast notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are important. Um, yeah, so those were some really cool uh, second round knockouts. I really wish we were kind of staying in, but they just got kind of bum wraps and they went up against stiff competition. Um, surprises, though, speaking of stiff competition, mm-hmm. though, Berger, uh, Serbia has made it further than anybody would have imagined. That you go, GBX. Um, She's that, got some pedigree. Yeah, it is a car. It was a affordable people's car with an italian styling it was great value great it was called the great value and it actually had 
a legitimate racing pedigree well, to the it. Well, the GVX did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the GVX, that was that was a performance model. It had 88 horsepower and 8.8 to 1 compression Damn. versus the standard 5.5 to 1 compression and 55 horsepower. Weird. It's like it's a correlation. It is weird. Yes, isn't it? Um, and I ran, yeah, I ran, like we've been saying, they oh, yeah. have just made it the whole way. Uh, that Zomyad Z24, based off a 1975 Mazda pickup truck, mm-hmm. is just doing fantastic. Um, <laughs> a lot of that is based purely on the fact that the picture of the Zomyad we've been using is green. Yes. Well, the thing is, with the Zomyad, you know, why I'm okay with them doing that is that truck is really the last honest pickup, because every pickup truck made in America right now is just America making cheap competition to Mercedes. And they found out that, oh, this truck has muscle car technology for suspension mm-hmm. and would cost nothing to make, so let's just throw all of our luxury shit into that. Pretty and much. then we're going to have a huge profit margin. That's why America makes those. The, Zam- the Zamyad, though, is made to be a workhorse. It's yeah. a 5,500-pound towing capacity Which, or uh, payload, payload capacity. Which is insane. It, yeah, and we saw one with 5,500 pounds oh in it. Oh, my God. It was very sketchy. Uh, it had a giant steel I-beam, and the guy was trying to get it off the truck, so he's just backing it up and accelerating forward really hard and doing a wheelie, and then eventually slid it off the back of the truck. This was a surprisingly good video. It was pretty good. I like that. I, well, I keep talking. Um, but yeah, they were. Uh, they also make a natural gas version. They make that. That is the workhorse of Iran, um, which is really, really, really cool to me. Um, they're also actually very pretty trucks because they're just they so are. basic. Yeah. I like the stacked headlights on it. Me too. Uh, that was uh, that was actually only for a couple of years, but it happened to be exactly when... Uh, <laughs> There's an episode of Motor Cult Podcast that shows up in the first few results of Zombiad Z24. fantastic. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> on YouTube. So, so this is the video. I want, I want you to turn off that sound because it's sound awful. But... <laughs> If you're watching on it, it's this guy with the Zamyad, and he has these giant steel I-beams that are about five feet longer than the truck on the front and the back, and he just is violently accelerating forward while doing a wheelie, Mm -hmm. slamming on the brakes and letting the... Dumping the clutch. Yeah, dumping the clutch and just letting them slide off the truck. (laughs) It does a wheelie. It is so sketch. I mean, like Tucker was saying yesterday, you can see the frame bending on the Zamyad. It is... It is... flexing dangerously this guy has z- i can tell this is not the first time this dude has done this clearly not or, <laughs> or it was the first time he did that and he just has balls of steel <laughs> something about steel balls 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 of steel i can't believe the rack on the back of that truck was strong enough yeah i think that's the thing that more strong yeah that car the will of that truck is what made that go so far is it just <laughs> so strong willed yep um just like the Iranian people. But this brings us to our finale, though. Our finale yeah. has the two best car-producing countries in the world. The world. We have France with their worst car, the Renault Influenza. Influenza. Or no, Fluence. 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 Yep. Influenza. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> versus Japan, the land of the rising sun. With the with 2007 their worst car, Mitsubishi Galant. Their worst car. <laughs> ever produced the 2007 Mitsubishi Galant. And that's that's what we're doing for the final round because we, we don't have the heart to pit the Avant time against the 2000 GT, so we're, we're comparing the worst vehicles. Yeah, it, but this is still... The thing is, what we are admitting is both of these cars these are... No, I mean, oh well, yeah. Both of these countries make cars that are so good, it, you can't compare them. 
and just we flat out refuse to compare I, them. I refuse to do that. I but want, I want both. What we can do is we can look at the lowest common denominator and see who goes below it. And and to clarify, just for my purposes, are we picking the worst of the worst cars or the best of the worst cars? I don't know. Should we? Should we I change it? Should we do the best of the worst cars? Well, I mean, I, I just I don't care which one we do. Because if we do the best worst car, we're gonna do a Mitsubishi Mirage. No, no. Okay, let's do. Worst. Oh, oh, oh! You I'm mean just between saying, these two cars, right, who does better? Yeah, the, the influenza think, and the Galan. Are we picking which one is a shittier car? Which one's a better of the shittiest cars? You and I think. I think we should do which one is the better of the shittiest cars and okay. why. Okay. And my reasoning for this is, this is the worst that that country can get. Okay. And who is better? At who, being the who, worst. Whose worst car is the best? Okay, so so, so who's so okay? Whose wh- basic what, rental car is better? Yeah, like which one? Like <laughs> the you pick the worst car and find out which one actually is marginally better than the other one because that represents the entire country as a whole. Because this these are the two cars that are bringing down the average for the entire country. Um, there's one L in Gallant. I don't care. Neither does YouTube. So. The 2007 Mitsubishi Galant was made for almost 10 years. It uh, what came about when Mitsubishi was entering their malaise. This was the car that brought it on, and they never discontinued it because they uh, frankly didn't have money to make another midsize sedan. Yep. Um, however, I will say this car had one of the first corporate V6s that were actually really powerful. 3A, right? Yeah, it was a, it was like a 200 and like 83 horsepower 3.8. Like it, it was right when they broke the Japanese uh, gentleman's agreement on power, they made this engine. And so I actually with made like... With Myvec. Yeah, with Myvec. I think the early ones, you could get a manual. Yeah, I think so. You well, also, maybe not a Galant. You probably could. You could also get um, a four-cylinder that was a derivative of an Evo engine. So you can turbocharge a four-cylinder. However, they only came front-wheel drive. Which is not good because the the Galant everybody likes was all wheel drive. Mitsubishi never figured that out. They also had absolutely catastrophic paint failure issues. Oh really? Oh yeah, there were ones. I remember when I was working at Mitsubishi back in two thousand. I mean, just look at this piece of crap. That's awful. But when I was working at Mitsubishi back in like two thousand eleven, we would have those in a lot, especially the black ones. Yeah. Where they would have paint failure on the roof. From are, sitting on the lot for a month. Are these GS platform cars? Um, I don't know. I don't I know what the platform is. I, I think it's the same as the fourth gen Eclipse, whatever that is. I, yes, it is. Yes. Okay. They, they're based off the same platform, um, <laughs> which is also goodness. the worst Eclipse. <laughs> so th- Hi, th- Dan Balto. If, if this... Um, well, I mean, it's just a fact. No, I know. Uh, well, actually, the Eclipse Cross is the worst Eclipse. Oh, I you, forgot about that. Um, we were count? also not counting crossovers. Because we don't want to condone. Oh, yeah, no. We're not those to, aren't cars. We don't want to condone that kind of activity. We're not even acknowledging those exist. Yeah. Um, so I think that this one. Oh, another thing. The mirrors did not fold. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the mirrors were. Fixed mirrors in fixed, 2007. Oh, yeah. It was a thing. Yeah. And they would break. They were made of ABS plastic. And there was extensive use of ABS plastic on the interior. I, that was uh, not covered. I rode in one of these <clears throat> one time. Yeah. How was that? Terrible. Actually, I was a I we had one super high trim level like the GT or whatever it was, yeah. kind of decent interior. No, I mean it was a three eight really high spec. I, I think it was even a rally art, but 
Yeah, I think I think the one I was in was a rally art too. Uh, but but it, yeah, it was like it was Bailey Williams' dad's car or something in high school. Okay, yeah. And I'm just like, what the hell? Yeah, this, this one, bad. um, the the one I was in had a backup camera. It was like one megapixel. It was awful. Ooh. But it had it had a backup camera in 2007, so it was huge. Um, <laughs> you had a touchscreen. You had a subwoofer, a Rockford Fosgate subwoofer. It was muddy as hell. Mm. Uh, and the exhaust droned more than any other exhaust I've ever heard in my life. I honestly thought it was broken, uh, and it wasn't. So that is the Mitsubishi Galant, right. uh, the last generation. Tell me about the Renault Fluence. All right, so it's going up against France's rental ca- I mean, um, Worst car ever. Worst, yeah, worst car ever. It, it's the, the mid-size Renault. This is, this is the Surrender Monkey cubicle worker Toyota Camry of France. And it, uh, 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 most of them have like hundred horsepower diesels and automatics, oh. and it just ugh, it doesn't look that great. It, it it's not really a look. I mean, it definitely looks better than the Galant because it kind of looks like it looks like a weird like South Korean knockoff of a Mazda six. Yeah, I mean it's fine. actually I think Samsung was involved with this car because uh, really? Samsung does have a car production branch in that. Korea. Okay. So like, <laughs> likely their batteries light on fire and their screens break all but the time. But it's still a Renault, so it probably has really, really comfortable suspension. And it's, well, also, if it has a Samsung backup camera, you probably can't see anything out of it. It has project, projector really, headlights. It's a really shitty Samsung camera. I, I see so. what you did there. I mean, it's not a great looking car. It kind of looks like a shitty melted Focus sedan. You know, I'm not going to lie. If I was looking... Ooh, look at that manual. Yep. That is something you could not get on the Galants, from what I can tell, uh, unless you get like a super base model. Yeah, I, I think you could. I'm seeing leather. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing burl wood with the manual. Yeah. Yeah, this is, it's it's unusual. Um, I, I mean, the, the interior actually looks and that, that's decent. Not, that's not even like an era thing, because these are two eras apart. This is the era after the Galant. Oh, this is two years after. Yeah, but this still. This is 09. Oh, this is 09? Yeah. Ow. What? That's a lot better than. The oh, it it is it yeah. I mean, this car kicks the shit out of the Galant. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah. what what engine options are there? I mean, you have uh, manual transmission, but yeah. So um, I think it actually says down here. Let me just look. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's seventy-five to one hundred and ten horsepower, two point two liter diesels. And I think you could get a gasoline engine as well. I didn't actually do very much research on the Fluence. Here, why don't you go to the Wikipedia article for okay, it? Okay, fine. Because that, that will tell you everything. Because this one might be for like some weird press release where it's like going to Romania or something. Yeah, diesels only. Manuals only. Manual diesels only. <laughs> Sounds actually great, but... Um, and I'm going to have to go to the previous gen here. So, yeah, just go to... Well, yeah, the ZE, isn't it? No, that was oh. zero emission. Uh, oh, jeez. Well, let's just go with the specs from the... Newer, nicer one. So, yeah. Successor Renault Megane 4 Saloon. There you go. Here's here's all the options. We got 1.5 and 1.6 liter diesel inline fours. 1.6 liter petrol I4. So, they have a GT line, which uh-huh. is cool. Two liter turbo. All right. Yeah. Six speed manual. Yep. That's it's And a CVT is Ooh, a six eh. speed auto CVT. That does okay. not compute. Let's just because. All right. So, the automatic transmission. Is mm-hmm. a CVT, yeah. which is notably worse than anything I could possibly be in the Galant. Because I'm confident the Galant did not. Galant have a CVT. just had a four-speed auto, which well, is going to work. Look, let's look up the Galant real quick. Okay. 
and see what we have there. Apparently, that was produced from 1919 until now. The Fluence? Yeah, according to that, yeah. I love how the Wikipedia article is so bad, it doesn't even list the transmission options. Well, no, because it has all the different generations. Scroll, oh, up, scroll up, scroll okay. up, scroll up. Just what? scroll up. Make, make your life a lot easier. Go to the contents. What? Table of contents. Where? Right there. Where? Right there. Stop. Ninth generation. Oh, Jesus Christ. It started in 2004? Oh, my God. Oh, whoa. There we go. All right. Four or five speed semi-automatic. designed that. All right. Let's go kick him in the fleshy patch. I want to see who Olivier Boulet also designed. Uh, oh, French designer. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> the Galant was designed by a Frenchman. That's hilarious. Uh, he... I'm sure he was promptly kicked out of France. Yeah, Second generation legacy. He, he claimed asylum. S-class and C-class exteriors in 89. Oh, jeez. This guy actually didn't suck. What the hell was going on? Well, he was... He, was... he had a brain aneurysm? Oh, okay. But yes, the Gallant <laughs> was offered with a four- and five-speed semi-automatic transmission they, and a five-speed manual. They, they didn't offer to pay him. They just told him to design a car for no pay. And that's what he designed. The Gallant? <laughs> just say that. That's probably what happened. Okay. He was Like, he was we really forced... we need a car. He, uh, he was forced to design a car. Here's a pizza. <laughs> just scribble it on this napkin. We, we don't have money, but we can pay you in other ways. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not going to ask. What did you do to that poor Mitsubishi? Oh, this poor wow. man. What did he do? 04 to, to 2012. That thing ran eight years. You know, that was a long time, but it wasn't as long as the Evo 10, which was literally, I think that was like a 10-year a car. Like yeah. that generation Lancer. I thought it went from like 08 to 15 or something. So I'm trying to load up on my computer. I'm Jan's brick, I mean. Up oh, there. Does that work? Does that work? Well, I'm sorry, honey. It's a fact of life. This is what I have to deal with all the time. Uh, oh, my God. This computer. It's You're just, welcome it, for a free computer. It, it, it refuses to acknowledge that Wikipedia exists. So I'm going to have to look it up here. I just want to look up more facts on this car. Because what I'm wondering is what is the best engine and what is the worst transmission option? Four-speed automatic was the worst transmission. Okay. The best engine was a 3.8 liter V6. Sorry, you had to hear me clicking. I just, I, 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 I want to make sure that I'm not making the wrong decision. It's also a 3,740-pound car with the V6. You know, that doesn't sound that bad. This car kind of ushered in the horrible malaise that we find cars in today. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the, the powertrains actually don't look that bad. I mean, you got the 4G69 and the 6G75, and then 4-speed auto. And four and five speed semi auto. So no manual was offered. Yuck. I'm sure there was a manual. Mm, says wow. No. That's awful. There's not not even a manual option. Nope. You know, I think that might have been the nail in the coffin for this. But it's a 464. 469. I think France might be winning. <gasps> of course France is winning. The the influenza is a much better car than the uh, Oh yeah. This guy designed my favorite generation of legacy. What the hell is wrong with him? I know. And he also did the uh, C-Class and S-Class exteriors so in, I think he was in 1988. He also do did the Maybach 62. Uh, okay, well, that doesn't look very good. So. I mean, for what it is. <laughs> what is wrong with this man? He also did the Mitsubishi. We're making very interesting. Uh, he made the, he made the Mitsubishi I-K uh, car. Train. Train. 
Choo-choo. Well, I think that that is the winning train coming in to usher in France's win. Yep, the Renault Fluence. The is, Renault Fluence. is the best shitty car. The best worst car Ugh. in the world I really, yeah. is the Renault Fluence. Boom. So there, there you go. go. The best car manufacturing country in the world is a country that we currently cannot buy any cars from. France. France. Yay. Bugatti doesn't count because they're made by Volkswagen, but whatever. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we did a French car episode. I and, feel like... And this is probably, honestly, a Nissan underneath, but... Well, actually, most <laughs> Nissans are actually Renaults. Okay, So, fine. actually, I think we should have included that, that Renault does own Nissan. Yes. So, I think they're both winners, but France is just... Oh, my God. Are we giving them participation trophies? I'm not done. Okay. But France is more of a winner. <laughs> <laughs> is that like on a test in middle school where you had a correct answer and a more correct answer? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's stupid. Japan lost. They made a worst car. It's all Mitsubishi's fault. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. The the Renault Fluence is a better car. I, th I think that also says than the Galant. I think it also says something about Mitsubishi because that should be their penance from their like massive fall from grace that they had. Yeah, yeah. You went from. Yeah, exactly. Like Fall that, from Grace is so a good that was a, that was a 2006, the, or 2004. Oh four. Oh four. So they released second a lot when they were still when they just brought us the Evo. Yeah, they brought us the Evo eight in 2003. 2003. Yep. And then yeah, and so you had like three years of good Evos, and then we had the Evo ten, and then which is like I guess fine, but not the Evo that everybody's right. really into. Yeah, it's not the one that can do all of the things right off the bat. Yeah. Um. And it's, yeah, that, that just kind of goes to show, like, kind of what happened to Mitsubishi. Um, they kind of went the wrong way. And really the issue is, is just they were a great car company that had great people behind it. But they're the product of a giant Zaibatsu Japanese corporation that just didn't, it was just another widget to them. I, I, think, I, that I think France is just better at making crap. I think what France does is they make crap cars yeah but there's so many other countries that are making equally shitty cars around there that yeah. they have to make something that stands out well the thing is the the galant is probably going to be a more reliable vehicle than the influenza yeah but the influenza is going to be a much nicer thing to own live with drive and operate i don't know if it's going to be that much more reliable because mitsubishi's aren't exactly reliable that's Plus true. they have horrible paint issues which equals rust okay so you know what? i think they're pretty much on par then i think they are and i, I think it's also kind of a, a, the thing about Japan and uh, France is they're both equally capable of making some garbage. Yeah, and they definitely they, do. They, they definitely do make some garbage, like real hardcore garbage. But whenever for every every time they make something that's like really awful, yeah, they will also make something that is really great. That train had three engines. Yes, it did. That was massive. That was a very long train. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like Mitsubishi, they made the Evo and this Galant at the same time. Yeah. Renault, yeah, they made the Renault Influenza, but they also had the Megane uh, yeah. RS or whatever it the, is. Those, they keep changing the name of the performance one, so yeah. The it was like Renault Sport Megane. The, the yeah. Megane R2295 or whatever it was, yeah. I don't know. So like, these are companies where I think, I think that's what makes their good cars all the more special. I was gonna, I was gonna say this is a little too late for the Avon Time coexisting, but yeah. they also made the Avon Time. Yeah, they did. But amazing. it's one of those things where it's like that makes their good cars all the more special, because yeah. they stand out more, and it's it, they make enough good cars that it actually makes you want to desire the brand. 
where right. you can you can find you can get a Renault Influenza with a manual transmission and a diesel and a diesel, which sucks. But if I'm in a world full of suck, I will totally take the manual transmission, whatever. Or you can get the GT line with the two-liter turbo gas engine. Yeah, and I probably and a manual, manual transmission. Yeah. Of course you can. It's made in France. Everything is offered with a stick. Can you actually get the GT with a manual? I'm sure. That's actually very cool. Because that would be hilarious, because that's just a totally normal whatever car that nobody wants. Well, I guess people want, but nobody cares about it. People want it, but they don't care about it. It's like having a different brand of bottled water. Nobody goes out of their way. I guess Fiji. But, I mean, nobody goes out of their way to go oh, get a God. Dasani. That's a, that's a Romanian market vehicle, primarily, it looks like. Perfect. Uh, oh my Six-week gearbox. Yep, they got it. Cool. All right, cool. That, All right. There you go. All right, I think that will be our bombshell. <laughs> France wins a World Cup of Cars. Yay, Yay! congratulations, Yay! France. I wish I could play the French national anthem. I'm so glad you can't. Uh, yeah, I'd probably play it on Kazoo or something. <laughs> or uh, and but I am very happy about that. Um, I don't think anyone's terribly surprised by this. but Especially after listening to our show. for Episode, yeah, 27, the French car episode should probably be a dead giveaway. Yeah. That well, I mean, we the, merci. The thing is, is that we didn't, like, plan that. Like, we did this to give them the most equal playing field because we... Yeah. We would have sat here arguing back and forth, and then somebody would have won because of some technicality. Which yeah, I think kind of is what trying happened. to do two thousand GT versus have on time just wouldn't have ended well. No, it would not have gone well at all. No, there would have been blood and yay! And on that vuvuzelas of cheering, yay! Note, we end this week's second thank you episode. for listening, yay France, yay! Good Lord, man. We'll see you guys for episode 44 on Saturday. Thanks for listening.